Good morning. On this wonderful Palm Sunday, Sunday, where we celebrate all that God has done. Um, and we like celebration, don't we? Um, there's something about celebration that draws us to it. Uh, and a part of it, I think, is that especially with celebrations that are bigger than ourselves, we, we lose ourselves a little bit in that celebration. And that's actually a, a good thing. It's a, it, it calls us to the full and final celebration that we'll experience in the presence of God. You know, uh, the season opener was a couple of days ago for baseball. And, um, you know, when people win the World Series, there's all these celebrations. And in uh, 2000 and what was it, 12, the San Francisco Giants won the uh, World Series. And when uh, they, and so of course the fans celebrated and they had a really big bonfire because that's how many people celebrate, right? Uh, Nathan, where's Nathan? He likes, to, he likes to build bonfires when he's celebrating. Uh, that's one thing, one of the ways we celebrate. Oh, let's burn stuff. Um, <laughs> But the thing about what, what happened with the San Francisco Giant fans is they built this big bonfire in the Mission District, and then they started, people kind of lost themselves in the celebration, and then they started to jump over the bonfire. Um, and so there's a picture there, and, and actually some people uh, had to be hospitalized because, again, they just lost themselves in that celebration. But yet there is something about celebration that pulls us to it because we actually want to kind of lose ourselves a little bit in a celebration larger than ourselves, even if we do things that are unwise, even if it's short-lived. And this celebration was short-lived because the next year the San Francisco Giants didn't win, the Red Sox won the World Series. And how do we do things? We don't jump over fires, we have a duck pope parade, right? So put that other, right? We don't, we, don't, we don't get people burned. Now, I don't know if they might drown or whatever, but we don't, we, we don't jump over fires around here. But, you know, there's different ways of celebrating as well. So different places uh, have their different customs of celebration. Different cultures celebrate in certain ways. But one of the universal things is that we're all drawn to celebration, um, there's that part of us who deeply wants to lose a little bit of ourselves in a joy larger than ourselves, even if we celebrate things in different ways. What if I told you that that deep desire to lose oneself in celebration is a divine echo of the eternal celebration available in Christ? You know, Palm Sunday is a foreshadowing of the eternal celebration that Christ made possible for all who believe. And I think as Christians, we can learn a lot from that first Palm Sunday celebration because let's face it, oftentimes Christians, we don't do celebration very well, okay? Oftentimes we don't. We often focus on what we can't do instead of what we can do. Or we focus on the external cultural customs of celebration instead of the heart that expresses that celebration. We often forget that what we're celebrating as Christians is bigger than us. So we should be less self-conscious and more God-conscious. 
And that's a part of that song we just sang that, you know, uh, uh, I belong to you, uh, rid me of myself, all of that. That expresses that desire that, no, I want to be less conscious of me and my problems and the sins of the world and be more conscious of you and your victory, God. And that's when we start to move into true celebration, when that is in our hearts. And I think that's what Palm Sunday really speaks. The main, one of the main points of Palm Sunday that we're going to look at is as Christians, we have a lot to celebrate, but we also have a lot to learn. So both of those truths we see on Palm Sunday, but especially this Holy Week, we have a lot to celebrate, but we also have a lot to learn. Because Palm Sunday reminds us of who Christ is and his offer of the kingdom and all that he's done and who he is. But it also reminds us that we can misunderstand things. After all, many in that first Palm Sunday celebration didn't quite understand the kind of Messiah Jesus was and, and what he was there to do. So the celebration and the joy of Palm Sunday was rather short-lived because a few days later, Jesus was crucified. And many in that crowd that were cheering, then they were, be then they were starting to hide. Then they were starting to question, well, wait a minute. I thought Messiah was all about victory. But yet, this Messiah has, is suffering and dying. But we see through the truths of this Holy Week that true Christian celebration is lasting and deeper than any one event or one occasion. So let's look. Let's look at the scripture of Palm Sunday, Matthew chapter 21. But of course, we need some context because we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew. That's our sermon series, a story bigger than our own. Uh, but we ended at chapter 11. And so we've skipped some and we're all the way to uh, chapter 21. So what's the context? Well, chapters 19 and 20 describe Jesus leaving Galilee and heading towards Jerusalem for the last time. And despite continuing to perform miracles and swaying the crowds by preaching the good news of God's kingdom, there's increasing opposition from the religious leaders in a sense that they're going to try to kill Jesus. So that's the context. And so here we come to Matthew 21, verse 1 through 11. So it'll be on the screens. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. That's Zechariah 9.9. That's what's being quoted here. So he's saying this, Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, that's fulfilling the prophecies of Zechariah who wrote hundreds of years earlier. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, uh, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowds spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees, right? Palms. And spread them on the road. 
And the crowds that went before him and the crowds that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And that's from Psalm 118, 25 and 26, by the way. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So this is a celebration. This is a, a celebratory parade based on who Jesus is. The crowds, they're celebrating that Jesus is at the very least a prophet, but more than likely they're saying, no, he is the prophet, the one that we have been waiting for. And in fact, that's what Matthew points out by quoting Zechariah 9.9, that Jesus coming on a donkey, that fulfills prophecy, the prophecy that Zechariah said, hey, your king is coming, the Messiah, the one you're waiting for, is going to come in this manner. So they're celebrating, and they realize that, because they start shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Who's the son of David? Well, I thought Jesus was the son of Joseph and Mary. No, this is, son of David means he's an ancestor of David. That was what was expected, that the uh, Messiah would be an ancestor of the great king, King David. So the crowd sees it, and Hosanna, that kind of means, you know, God save. But by this time, it was, just, it was less of a prayer and more just an exclamation of, God, you're doing wonderful things, and we praise you. And so with this phrase, they are praising Jesus as the Messiah. And no wonder, they're, therefore, they're celebrating because they're paying homage, God's victory, God's promises. They are being fulfilled. The ones they've been waiting for for centuries, these prophecies seem to be happening right before them, and they get to experience it. But how? How did they celebrate? Well, they're singing, they're shouting, there's a procession spreading out their quote, their cloaks, and, and yes, there's a little bit of destruction as they're pulling down palm branches off of trees and either laying them down or waving them like pom-poms. These are all things in their culture which expressed celebration and joy. We do similar things in that uh, we don't put down cloaks, but we roll out the red carpet for people who are important. And in this area, we don't have palm branches. Maybe in Miami, they do that. Uh, but we don't have those kinds of things. But we have fireworks, right? Noisemakers, when we celebrate cowbell, right? That brings a lot of joy, the cowbell. We always need more of that. <laughs> so the ways that people celebrate might be different, but yet God's promised salvation coming is celebrated by all of those who receive it. And that's what we do on Palm Sunday. We celebrate who God is. But I also want you to notice, so yes, we have lots to celebrate on Palm Sunday, who Jesus is. But as I also said, Palm Sunday shows us we have a lot to learn as well. Um, the crowd had a lot to learn. Because their concept of the Messiah was one of victory. The Messiah King comes and with his amazing power, he defeats our enemies and he rules. There's victory, there's restoration. That was their concept of the Messiah. But they didn't quite understand. Wait a minute. Notice the symbolism here of that prophecy. Behold, your king is coming humble, right? Mounted 
on a donkey, not on a war horse, not on a chariot crushing the Romans, but in humility. He would gain victory through self-sacrifice. He would win victory, not just over the Romans, but over death, over suffering, by entering into those things and defeating them from the inside out. But their concept of the Messiah was, wait a minute, it was partial. Because when Jesus was hanging from the cross, they said, well, no, he, I guess he's not the Messiah because he's suffering and dying. And, and the Messiah, he's only about victory. They didn't understand that the Messiah would defeat death and sin from the inside out. And so when Good Friday came and Jesus was hanging from the cross, their celebration could not withstand that hardship. It couldn't withstand that difficulty because it was only a partial understanding of who Jesus really was. But when we understand who Jesus is, and we have a lot to learn, that the Messiah was to give his life over victory and sin and death, then we have a joy and a reason to celebrate that's bigger than death, bigger than any difficulty. Because Easter Sunday proves that what they thought on Palm Sunday, that Jesus is the Messiah, it's true. He is the Messiah. And he's in the, the Messiah in a way that his victory even comes over sin and the death of Good Friday. See, they had a lot to learn. But we have a lot to learn as well about Christ. But when we learn who he is, who he truly is, and what he has done, we will celebrate. We can't help but celebrate. So I ask you this, friend. Do you, do you celebrate who Christ is? Have you ever in your life been able, so overwhelmed with who Jesus is and the victory that he has won over sin, death, and suffering that, that your joy was just radiated and you just had to celebrate because his victory is bigger. Amen. Now, if you haven't, if you, if you, as you search your heart, if you're like, yeah, I have never been overwhelmed with the celebration of who Jesus is, it's yours. It, it is yours. That's what Jesus, he invited and he invited everyone into the kingdom who would want to come. He invited tax collectors and sinners, people who thought they were excluded, people who maybe didn't celebrate anything in their life because it was such a difficult life. They found celebration in him, and so can you. Would you let him ride into, the, into your hearts, bringing his victory and his power today? Because that is a gift for you. And if you've never done it this Palm Sunday, say yes to Jesus. Gretchen says she was saved on Palm Sunday. The, the Lord of glory rode into her heart on Palm Sunday. I won't say how many years ago, <laughs> but it's, it was a few. But now, if you are a Christian, if you have said yes to Jesus, then I want to ask you, do you celebrate? Can you celebrate? If not, maybe we have more to learn about how Christ is bigger than the highs and the lows. 
Now, this is not to minimize your pain, your hardships, because many I know of you are going through such difficulty, and it's not just about, oh, hype, I got to put on a happy face because I'm supposed to celebrate. No, it's not that. But that we in Christ can have an abiding sense that even when we are losing, Christ is one. So that even when we're losing our finances, even when we're losing our health, even when we're losing a loved one, that Christ has won the victory. And his victory has proven that God keeps his promises. And so that we can celebrate even in the midst of difficulty. That's a part of the promise and the reason we can celebrate. Or Christian, how do you view our gatherings because that's what a church is. It's, a, it's the gathering of the people. Now, there are many aspects to our gatherings, but one must be celebration. Because Jesus is the promised Messiah. Amen. He is. That's what Palm Sunday proclaims. And he is the Messiah. No matter how you came into this do- the, the doorways of this gathering, no matter how downtrodden you may have felt, Jesus, he's still the Messiah. And we can celebrate that. We might not be able to celebrate our circumstances if we're, si- if we're sick, if we're suffering, or, we've, or we're mourning the loss. But we can celebrate that Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. Palm Sunday proclaims that. Easter proclaims that. That Easter proclaims that Jesus, he was dead, but now he lives. That the sin and the death of this world could not hold him down. And so we celebrate that. We can celebrate that every time we gather, but it's bigger than that, isn't it? That, yes, Jesus has won the victory, but he's also won the victory for all of those who would call upon him, all of those who would trust in him. So that it's not just here today that uh, Jesus died and now he lives, hallelujah. It is that, oh, I was dead in my trespasses and sins, and now I'm alive, hallelujah. That, as we just said, Gretchen, she was dead in her trespasses and sins, and now she's alive, hallelujah. Anyone else, anyone else, can you say, I was dead and now I live? Stand up. If you can say that today, hallelujah, hallelujah, Hosanna. Look at all of the people that God has brought from death to life, hallelujah. Amen. You may see that. And notice how we clapped. Why? Because God is so great. That's one of the ways that we, in, in our culture, express praise and happiness and celebration. We clap. Now, of course, our gatherings are not just celebration, right? Now, there are other aspects. For instance, repentance. Sometimes silence. Rest, deep meditation on God's word. But Palm Sunday highlights the celebration part. So that's why I'm focusing on that. It's not to say that there's no no other parts of our gatherings, but it always must, our gatherings always must have that, that twinge of celebration, knowing what Christ has done. And we need to grow in our understanding of that. We need to understand uh, who Christ is. His victory is so much bigger than ourselves and our problems so that even when our circumstances are bad, we can still have a joy beyond our circumstances because the Messiah's victory is bigger. Because if our joy, if our celebration 
is based only on our circumstances being good and not on God being good, then our joy and celebration are gonna be fleeting. They're not gonna last because sometimes our circumstances aren't good. We know that. But if our celebration is based on God being good, well, that doesn't change. If our celebration's based on what Christ has done and who he is, well, that's not gonna change. So we can celebrate that every time we gather, even in the midst of praying for one another, when we're going through difficulties and there's pain and walking alongside someone who has pain, there's still this sense that there's more to this story than my circumstances. There's more than what's going on than just what's here. There's God's story, there's God's victory, there's Jesus' victory that we can celebrate. And it's bigger. It's big. Jesus' victory is bigger than any one person. It's bigger than any one nation. It's bigger than any one time period. So that even like during the, the uh, bubonic plague, that was an awful time. But yet Christ's victory transcends even that. Christians, we should be a people of celebration. We should have a little bit of Palm Sunday every day. And this goes beyond our church gatherings. Do you know, I believe that every single earthly celebration, yeah, even for the World Series champions, all that stuff, is a foretaste of the eternal celebration when Christ has the full and final victory over sin, suffering, and death. And we join the heavenly host in praise and thanks. I, every celebration is a foretaste of that because heaven is where we lose ourselves in the grandeur of God and we lose ourselves in this victory that he has won. And our hearts long to be lost in that goodness, long to be lost in that victory. So every earthly celebration is an echo of that and calls us to that. So we should be a people known for our joy, for our celebration. And if we're going to err, let's err on the side of celebration. <laughs> let's be less self-conscious and more God-conscious. Because when you are really celebrating, you do, you lose yourself a little bit. You forget yourself. We need more of that. We need more forgetting ourselves. I think of King David when he was bringing the ark of the Lord into the new capital city and he was celebrating all who God was. He was a promise keeping God, all the victories God had given him. And now he's bringing the ark. So he's bringing the presence of the Lord. Cause remember the ark of the covenant is where heaven and earth met. It's where it's God's footstool. And so he is bringing the, the presence of the Lord into his new capital city. And second Samuel chapter six tells us that verse 14, David danced before the Lord with all his might. So in other words, he wasn't just doing, you know, the middle school dance, like, you know, like I used to do in middle school, like, because I didn't know how to dance, really awkward, like, no, he was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. And David wore an, a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with sounds of the horn as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. 
So everyone was was celebrating God's presence. Everyone was recognizing what, that God's promises to David had been fulfilled and given David great victories so that he could have this new capital uh, um, of a unified Israel. And there was music, there was dancing, there was religious sacrificing, there was feasting as David celebrated God fulfilling his promises. It was a celebration much like Palm Sunday. David was celebrating And he lost himself in that celebration of who God is. And Michal, his wife, was a little bit disgusted because she didn't understand. She didn't understand that this wasn't just about David, that David wasn't being self-conscious, he was being God-conscious. And he was losing himself in all that God was and all that he did. So she had, she had more to learn. Likewise, when we celebrate God, yeah, sometimes people's not going to improve. David's wife didn't approve. Uh, the Jewish leaders complained to Jesus, hey, your followers, they're, they're going overboard, calling you the Messiah, celebrating too much. See, our focus can be on earthly things, the earthly can'ts, the earthly customs, instead of Christ's victory. That's what we always must be about. We must err on the side of celebration, err on the side of losing ourselves, being more God-conscious and less self-conscious. But it's a reminder. We take the gospel very seriously, but we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. See, I think we often do the opposite. We take ourselves and our customs seriously, but we don't take the gospel and and Jesus very seriously. No, it should be. No, we take the gospel very seriously, but ourselves, our own ideas, uh, sometimes I'm silly. Sometimes I make mistakes. You know, when I first really rededicated my life to the Lord, and Wendy will tell you this, she stuck with me through it, You know, I was taking my faith more seriously, but at the same time, I was actually taking myself too seriously as well. I didn't realize the freedom and the joy that the gospel brings so that we can forget ourselves in light of the big God. There can be a freedom to our celebration as well. Because even if we go a little bit overboard, even if we make mistakes, it's all about who Jesus is. It's about what he has done, not about what we do. So that even if we make a mistake, Jesus' sacrifice will bring it back to victory for us. Because that's why he died. That's why he gave his life, so that there would be no sin, and no, nothing would, would keep us from God. So that, yeah, even when we make a mistake, then it still goes back to celebration for us. That's why lots of times in in our church service, we have a time where we we pray repentance and we say, Lord, you know, forgive us the ways that we have uh, fallen short of your glory. But we don't, you know, drop on the ground in a pile of of sobbing. Rather, we, yes, we, we sob and sometimes we, you know, and we repent, but then it always ends in celebration. Why? Well, because Christ has already won the victory. And that when I repent, I'm stepping into that forgiveness and that victory. So yes, let's err on the side of celebration. And Palm Sunday reminds us, reminds us to celebrate who Jesus is. So much that we forget ourselves. 
we become less self-conscious and more God-conscious. And I don't know who else needs to hear that today, but I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that you have a victory even in the midst of your difficulties even in the midst of the hardships that so transcend you, so transcend this, this time, this moment, that even when, even your sadness and difficulty can have that undercurrent of praise, that yes, you can forget yourself in celebration. In fact, that's what you were made to do that you and I were made to be in the presence of God, so taken away with his grandeur and his grace, that, yeah, we forget about ourselves in celebration. So let's do that today. Let's do that every day. Let's pray. Dear God, we do uh, pray that we would be taken Lord, we'd be so taken with your victory and your grace that, Lord, we would be able to celebrate even in the midst of difficulty. Lord, we repent for being so self-conscious. We repent of being so focused on our customs and the way we do things that we've taken what you've done lightly. Lord, help us to be overcome every gathering with your grace and mercy. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.